Welcome to Improbable Walks, the podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the city of light. Every episode, we step into history by strolling down a different block of the city, exploring buildings and people of the past and of the present. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your time and ears. If you're just discovering the podcast, please check out my website, lisapassel.com, for photos, previous streets, and more information. You can support this free podcast by visiting my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lisapassold. And you can encourage the podcast by subscribing, which lets you know when new episodes are posted and helps Improbable Walks to find new listeners. Today, we're starting in the lovely square facing the Sorbonne University on the left bank, and we'll be exploring the Rue Champollion. Today, this square is often bustling with students, and what dominates the view is the facade of the famous university. What we see today when we look at the Sorbonne here was built in the late 1800s. The massive building was designed by Henri-Paul Nénot, a student of Charles Garnier who built the lovely Opéra de Paris over on the right bank. The eccentric classic style is massive and practical, but the Renault did keep the old and magnificent Richelieu Chapel from the 1600s. The original Sorbonne was actually founded in 1253 in this location. As we turned to the left in Place de la Sorbonne with the refreshing sound of the fountains covering the traffic noise, we can think about that long-ago medieval moment when Robert de la Sorbonne petitioned the king for the rights to start a place of study for theology happened right here. And before that, there was a Roman road here back in the first century. So we're standing on top of a lot of history. If we walk down to the corner here of Place de la Sorbonne and the little Rue Champollion, we are looking at what's left of a medieval street. Originally, this was the 11th century site of the religious college of Cluny, which was once led by chaplain Robert de Sorbonne, the founder of the Sorbonne, which is where the name for the university comes from. While the Sorbonne buildings changed through the centuries, this little street, then known as Rue des Macons, remained a student-filled street with lots of cheap places for students to eat and drink. Well into the beginning of the 20th century, the street was known for its little cafes and cabarets. Right at the corner of Champollion and Place de la Sorbonne, there was once a cheap student restaurant called Flicoteau, popular with 19th century poet Alfred de Musset and writer Honoré de Balzac. He even includes a description of the restaurant in one of his novels. In the 1890s, that address got renovated into something a little classier known as the Café d'Arcourt. This is a place where the writer Colette from Burgundy used to eat when she first got to Paris with her complicated first husband, Willie. 
Another typical famous address here from the Belle Époque was at number 15, Champollion. This was the Tartine des Folies Latins, the Latin Follies, and it was decorated by local artists. There is a description from 1886 which reads, It was a colorful debauchery vibrating in the gas lights whose bacchanalian scenes continuously charmed our eyes. Even further back in literary history, the great playwright Jean Racine lived at number 16 here. Racine made his reputation as a popular playwright in the early years of Louis XIV's reign. Racine's plays are generally tragic. He loved writing about disastrous love triangles and cruel human error. Racine left here in 1659 to go further into his career. He died in 1699, still in Paris, only about 10 minutes away from here. On the other side of Rue Champollion, at number 15, you'll notice that there's a really historical feel to the facades, and that's because this is the oldest still-standing part of the street. The building spans numbers 13, 15, and 17. They all date back to the year 1666, and they're still owned by the university. The weirdest thing about this little one-block street called Champollion is its name, which was added in 1867. Jean-François Champollion is the man who first successfully translated ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. He was born in 1790 and unfortunately died in his early 40s, and he was not Parisian. His father was a revolutionary out in the countryside. His grandparents could only make an X to sign their names, so he was not from an intellectual family, nor an aristocratic family. But he and his brothers were brilliant. Champollion learned Latin, Greek, Hebrew, rudimentary Arabic, and Syrian. Champollion was a classic case of being too smart for school. He was a very badly behaved student, mostly because he was bored. Fortunately, his older brother, Jacques Joseph, helped with his education. In fact, his brother is the one who began writing about the Rosetta Stone. The two Champollion brothers met other Egyptian scholars and people who'd been on the Bonaparte expedition to Egypt. And by 1806, at the tender age of 16, Jean-Francois decided to devote his life to Egyptian studies. At age 17, he came to Paris to study Coptic and other languages, and soon he formally turned his back on all the theories devised thus far about ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. He started again from scratch. To be blunt, he wrote, Leurs explications ne sont justement que de l'eau de boudin. Or, these explanations are merely the water left over after cooking blood sausage, i.e. nasty and weak. By age 18, Champollion was teaching at university in Grenoble, and by 1822 he had figured out the key to translation. But he had pushed himself so far that he literally ran into the next room where his elder brother was working. Jean-Paulion shouted, I've done it, and then he collapsed. Fortunately, he recovered. He'd managed to translate the name Ramses using a combination of phonetics and symbols. 
1824, he published his precise system about hieroglyphs, which utterly revolutionized our understanding of the ancient world. Champollion was named Chevalier of the Légion d'Honneur and put in charge of designing the Egyptian collection of the Louvre. The famous display rooms there owed a great deal to Champollion's desire to make history an exciting inspiration, not something dull for a property only of elderly intellectuals. Champollion must have been so triumphant when he finally managed to visit Egypt at age 38. There's a wonderful letter that he wrote there explaining that he had finally managed to prove absolutely that his system works. He writes, I can read everything written on these monuments. It must have been an amazing moment. Tragically, however, only a little while after he returned to Paris, Champollion died, probably due to a cholera epidemic. All that's left of his memory is this tiny street, the amazing collection at the Louvre, and of course, the world's enriched appreciation of ancient Egyptian culture. From ancient Egypt now, if we walk Further down this little street, we jump into 20th century performance history because at number seven, there was once a famous cabaret, Les Noctambules. Les Noctambules was a poet hangout where you might see writers like Max Jacob and Jean Cocteau. And this is where the bald soprano, La Cantatrice Chauve, the famous play by Jeanne Unesco, first premiered. The absurdist play was first performed here in May 1950. In the 1960s, the cabaret was renovated into a movie theater, which is now famous as Le Reflet Medici. There's lots of good art house films shown here. If you keep walking to the end of the block, the end of Little Rue Champollion, where we hit the wider boulevard of Rue des Écoles, we find another great rep house. This cinema is part of the trend in Paris from the 1930s, when many many of the old cabarets switched over to showing the new popular movies. Le Champon, as the cinema here is known, is still standing and was crucial to the Nouvelle Vague, New Wave, directors of Paris. They used to joke that this particular cinema was their university. In the year 2000, the Champon was classified as a national monument after risking closure. The Champon is formally named Espace Jacques Tati for the great French filmmaker and comedic actor. From here, we can walk east along Rue des Écoles with the large Sorbonne building on our right and a small park on our left. We'll wrap up this walk at the park in front of the famous statue of 16th century philosopher Michel de Montaigne. If you approach, you'll see that the bronze statue has one very polished shoe. That's because students touch his toes for luck. This has been going on so long that the original stone statue, which used to stand here, had to be replaced because the shoe was damaged by generations of students wanting luck for their exams. So rub the shoe if you need some luck. And if you want to learn something about the philosopher himself, I recommend Sarah Bakewell's book, How to Live, A Life of Montaigne in One Question and 20 Attempts at an Answer. It's very readable and informative. 
If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to the podcast. For photos and details about today's walk, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. You'll even find some links to the movie theaters that are currently on Champollion. So if you get yourself to Paris, you'll know what you might see in the cinema. If you're looking for further information, you can also support this free podcast by visiting my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lisa Passold. Many thanks, as always, to my tiny podcast team, Bremner Fletcher for tech help and David Simmons for the atmospheric accordion theme music. Until the next time, we go walking into Paris history together.